first off, I'm not a trader. This was part of the deal. <laughs> and I got the jersey, so I said I would wear it when I first got it. He's already off camera made 65. Yeah, I actually went out. I went out. Like yeah, I went out last night and uh, knocked on random people's doors <laughs> while drunk. I, I just, <laughs> dude, it it, turn, it changes you, man. It's a college bro, town, bro. Why, it, why it didn't you tell? You. Me, why didn't you tell me you were in Dallas? We could have hung know, out right? and party, dude. Right. It, it changes you. But then I also have gotten this, which I have not opened very much. I, I actually just opened it first this morning just to look through it. This thing is over sixteen hundred pages of college football history up until the 2004 season. When you set that down, it literally shook your whole computer. So I, I imagine that's a big, a thick boy. Oh yeah. It's, it's heavy. It's a, it's a big one, but it's, it's fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to like actually going through it over time mm -hmm. and just kind of learning, learning new stuff. But yeah, I was going to deflect on you guys to open it up, but then I was like, Oh yeah, I got a couple <laughs> different things. Yeah, so, I was just yeah. saying, not not like I, you know, got anything new over here that I can show off. I mean, oh, did you? No, I I don't actually. That's oh, I thought I'm you were saying. being like, you got you got a new jersey, you got a book. I mean, you're yeah. you're you're in I the mean, you're the in the land of. You can find it. Highly uh, recommend. I was just saying, I, I I did find that at my uh, my local Walmart. I didn't look hard enough when we were at Walmart yesterday. Maybe I, that's but the that's the thing. That's the thing. It's like I couldn't find. I wanted to just After try a bottle question before I buy like a twelve pack because I've already got like a whole case of, of Dr Pepper in the garage waiting to to be drunk. Um, but I uh, I so I couldn't find a bottle and and they only had the twelve pack. So I was like not ready to quite get that just yet. Fully commit. No, yeah. You should have. I have I have you, you should issues. Have. Full have send or no send, have. no half send. All right. Well, let's uh do a show. Strawberries and That's a good win. There's a lot of people looks like Woodstock except everybody's got their clothes on. Personal file. 69. Offense. He was giving them the business. These people don't give I hope that got in. I'm sure it did. <laughs> I'm sure it did too. I don't know it. it, it I don't know if, if the intro like started when it was supposed to for uh, you guys. It, it, but it I, sounded like it got in. So yeah, I started. I started laughing at, at that point. So whatever. Anyways, <laughs> we got a show to do. I don't know where I set my so I could actually know where we're at. Uh, here we go. All right. Well, let's just go ahead and start with the big news from the week, and that's Tommy Reese has been hired as a new offensive coordinator at Alabama. Um, good for Nick Saban. I mean, he got a coordinator who's at least somewhat proven. I don't know if this is a huge upgrade from Bill O'Brien or not. I think it kind of is. I mean, we we definitely saw glimpses of, of a really solid team in times last year. We also saw glimpses mm -hmm. of a really inexperienced team, which was – in my mind, probably the biggest problem for Notre Dame last season, inexperienced coaching, inexperienced players. And when you have both of those combined, it, it leads to some bad losses, i.e. Stanford, Marshall. But they also had really big wins. They had a win over Clemson where they looked like they just couldn't be couldn't be stopped at times in that game. Yeah. Their run game was phenomenal. I think taking this over to Alabama, more talent, 
this team just again we talk about it year in and year out they just reload they don't yeah. ever rebuild they don't ever have to get anything back they are just hitting every single year things are going to look a little different this year again a lot of uncertainty at quarterback mm-hmm. i think that's a big thing for alabama this season is they don't know what's at quarterback it so moving to tommy reese what's going to happen i don't know this feels a lot like last year at quarterback for them um, for him specifically, between mm-hmm. Buckner and now um, either Jalen Miller or Ty Simpson, whoever is mm-hmm. uh, becomes a starter, yeah, they, it's going to be uh, kind of some growing pains in the first season. But I don't expect anything to happen. I, I think after this season, I, I think things are going to flow kind of smoothly, especially if they can continue getting some really solid players at the quarterback position. Yeah, somebody that we we know and, and talk to on a daily basis has already started proclaiming that the dynasty is dead in Tuscaloosa. I don't know if that's necessarily. I, I, I think that's. That I was just saying. I think that's a bit of a reach. I, I think that this is. I I think there were better moves that could have been made, uh, personally <clears throat> at least. But you know, in, in terms of kind of just for the same reasons what you were talking about, Tyler. Uh, you know, Reese is coming into a situation where he's going to have a lot of inexperience, especially at the quarterback position next year. And, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, he manages because it's not like he's done this before and has the experience of bringing, you know, a young player, especially at the quarterback position up and, and getting the most out of them like early on. It's going to take some time. It's going to yeah. take some, you know, learning pains and, and working out all the kinks and everything like that. Um so it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, especially you look at that week two matchup. That's now seeming more and more to me, at least, like it could be a trouble spot for Alabama more it's so than trap. than you. Yeah, more so than you. I, would have I don't think it, I don't think it's a trap. I think the week week two. Yeah, it is full on upset game. alert. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know if we'd consider it an upset. The game's in Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. However. I think I think that Texas is experienced as they are. Depending on what Alabama looks like in Week One, mm-hmm. we may be full on talking upset alert and or just an outright win for Texas, yeah, over Alabama. And it and it's also I mean we've got a long way off before we get to anything like that. But right, but think it, about it, how close it was. Quinn Ewers got hurt in the first mm-hmm. quarter, and Hudson Card kept them in this game last yeah. year to only lose by one. Yeah, if Quinn Ewers stays healthy. Amongst all of the other things that are going to kind of be in favor of Texas that weren't last year, Isaiah Nair's back, Xavier Worthy returns, the the offensive line is going to be even better than it was last year, which is really not hard to do, but it's going to be better. The defense stays pretty consistent at Texas. They had a solid defensive performance last year. There were not many games that they got. They allowed a whole bunch of points in. Mm -hmm. I, I really think that this... Bama Texas game is going to set the tone for the whole season for Alabama, one yeah. way or the other. It's either going to be, man, we're we're in trouble, and you're going to see it. The dynasty. It's hard to say it's dead. Mm-hmm. Okay, I wouldn't even. I don't. It on I'm not score. saying that. No. I'm. I'm getting close. This yeah, season I'm is going closer. to determine. This this season is going to determine whether or not it is or not. Yeah. And for me, the reason is. Georgia has the ability this season with everything on their on their schedule to run the table again and go to the and go to at least the SEC championship game mm-hmm. if things work out right. Carson Beck, 
or Brock Vandergriff, whoever's at quarterback. They're they're coming into a loaded offense, great O-line, great running backs, and with Ladd McConkey returning, I mean, the only question is now do they have a, a number two, and it looks like they're going to. Yeah. Going back to Texas, though, in Alabama, Texas also brings in A.D. Mitchell mm-hmm. to add to a already good receiver room. Yeah. I do not right now and i if i'm picking this game today i'm saying texas but we need to see week one first and absolutely again bama's not on any kind of live support in terms of their dynasty Mm -hmm. but that there is a a changing of the guard happening if you will because Mm -hmm. georgia back-to-back championships if they go to the playoffs again i think they are the new standard um Mm -hmm. if not already they're the standard for the 2020s already Mm -hmm. yeah but alabama's also one year removed from a playoff berth and a national championship appearance. Yeah, one year away. It's, one year it's removed. hard to say they're just done. Exactly. That. One year removed from playoffs and a national championship appearance, two years removed from a national championship itself. I mean, yeah. and, and so here's the here's my question for you, Tyler, because, I mean, obviously, and we've got a lot long ways off before this, but, you know, we're talking about what Alabama looks like week one. They've got Middle Tennessee. That's a talent mismatch that they should be able to win, even if there are some issues. How much does Tommy Reese actually try to work out before that Texas game? You know, trying to break in and and you know, obviously not wanting to give a whole lot on film to Texas. But I mean, if, if you're wanting to see how it's going to work out in, in an actual you know game against an opponent before you try to call it against Texas, like that's. It, you've got to find a, a balance, obviously. You've got to find that sweet spot where you're able to work in some elements but not give everything away. So the spring game is going to be an early indicator of how much work really needs done, especially you know, at the quarterback position specifically. There's not a lot of places where there's a lot of work that needs to be done. But at quarterback, that's where the answers are going to be, mm-hmm. where we're going to get our answers. Moving from there, it depends on how much development you can see over the course of the rest of spring practice, summer, yeah. late summer camp, and then into fall right before yeah. the season starts. And then if there's still issues, I think he's, he doesn't have a choice but to open up. You can't just play conservative and hold things back because you – your opponent's you don't, but Yeah, because you don't want to – that's how you get your ass kicked by Middle Tennessee State like Miami did yeah. last season. I mean, this is still a still not a bad team. No, well, no. I mean, they're they're not an SEC level team. They're a team that will walk in and and will will stun you if you don't Mm -hmm. come out ready Mm -hmm. to go. And Alabama has the advantage defensively, and their defense is not going to let them lose that game. So they can be thankful for that. But you cannot go into that week and be like, you know what? We're just not going to show you everything we've got on film. Yeah, because that you're not you are in a position to do it technically with your defense, but don't play the game, don't risk Absolutely. it. Well, and and also, I mean, something out there and work out even... the kinks. That's what that game's meant to be. Why you yeah. paid them to come there, anyways? Yeah. Also, what we're what we haven't even mentioned, and because there's not a a move made, there will be somebody else coaching that defense. It won't be Pete Golding. So yeah. they they got. I mean, the talent again. They've got a lot of talent, but they're also going to well, be figuring out a. You know, this is still Nick Saban's defense. We we yeah. know Nick that Nick Saban Saban's runs the very defense. Hands on with the yeah. defense. Yeah. So. Well, no, I mean he runs the defense. The only th- reason these guys are there is to learn to give themselves a better position going forward. And Pete Golding 
went to Ole Miss because Lane Kiffin's like, look, you come from Saban's tree. I come from Saban's tree. Like, I need somebody on defense. You've learned his style. Yeah. You're going to bring it here. Yeah. That's what's going to happen once again with whoever comes in. They're just going to be there to learn and develop, mm-hmm. and then they're going to go somewhere else when the time comes. Yeah. That's just that's the way. That's the way it goes. That's the way it works at Alabama. Yeah. So there's no reason to worry about their defense. Their defense is going to be yeah. solid, and it's going to be very, very good. This year, even with some of the young players coming in, they've got some guys that are looking like day one impact players uh, yeah. on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. As for this, what does this mean for Notre Dame? Well, I mean, it's obvious they're looking for a handful of new coaches now uh, with Tommy Reese leaving James Lord. And I just left as a defensive assistant earlier uh, in last week uh, to go to OSU. Who's next for Notre Dame at the offensive coordinator position? uncertain at this time i really don't know even who some of the big names are and that are in the conversation Mm -hmm. but i it's a very intriguing job because tyler buckner is not the quarterback anymore it's sam hartman um Mm -hmm. so you're gonna have to come in and 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 play it however however you want to uh with them so looking forward to it i think it's going to be i'm curious to see what the new connection is in notre dame uh the irish offense do you think if, if Hartman knew that uh, Bill O'Brien was on his way out and they were going to go get Tommy Rees, that he might have gone to Alabama instead of going to Notre Dame? Do you think he went no. there because he was trying to get in that? I think he went there because he was a childhood. I think he went there because he was a childhood fan of Notre Dame. That's, mm-hmm. That was the story the whole way through. He wanted to go to Notre Dame initially. Mm-hmm. One, uh, I think his grades didn't make the cut for, for the university. And I think that he really just wasn't offered. I mean, he wasn't looked at like that. And Wake Forest, he found a place to go become an impact player right away, which he showed over the past two years. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the country, let alone just the ACC. And now he's going to Notre Dame to prove it once again and, and show that he can do it somewhere else in a different, different scheme. So whoever they bring in, I don't think it matters. I think he just wants to be a part of Notre Dame. Absolutely. Um, moving forward, Oklahoma and Texas have kind of had a stall in their movement to the SEC. They were approved to move early by the Big 12. However, the TV networks are not into it at all. Uh, Fox and ESPN are kind of pissed off because they still have a contract left to fill out for the Big 12. And with the departure of Oklahoma, Texas, it basically makes the Big 12 look like just another G5. And that's no offense to the teams that are in the Big 12. They're very good teams. They're very solid. Mm-hmm. But when you don't have the money coming in that an Oklahoma and a Texas bring, you're you're bound for some some issues, and, and especially in terms of a, a media rights deal with, with a, yeah. a TV network. You're going to lose some money. Well, it's it's and, mostly Fox that's upset, because and, and rightfully so. Because, well, as they should be, yeah. because they signed a deal thinking the Oklahoma and Texas were going to be there until – 2025 yeah which is why they were initially said to leave by uh, 2025 yeah and they want to move early because well the big 10 made their move early that's basically is what's happening Mm -hmm. the big 10 made their move first yeah and also let's not forget the big 10 is getting their brand new media rights deal kicking upwards of one billion dollars a year yeah the SEC needed to make their move. And unfortunately, they made their move already in media rights deals. They're not getting a bigger number. Yeah. But the Big 12 is about to re-up re a contract 
that is going to drop significantly price-wise because they are losing, again, their two biggest money makers within the yeah. conference. Yeah. Uh, and, and so with everything like that's going on, it is uh, something that they're trying to, you know, ESPN is obviously, you know, trying to help to grease the wheels, if you will, because I mean, obviously they're going to be starting next season. They're going to be the, the exclusive home for every SEC game. With, regardless of, of who's playing in it. So, so you know, it doesn't yes, impact them near Yeah, as much. exactly. It, it won't impact them, but it certainly is going to have an impact on Fox. Now, obviously, you know, Fox is going to have other bigger games that they can promote from, from the Big Ten and the Pac-12 still. But, you know, when, when you've got Texas and Oklahoma and, and how often they've been, you know, utilized and, and put on those, those big um, – big stage games kind of deal. I mean, everybody remembers the, uh, or, or maybe you don't, but the, the 2019 game between Iowa state and Oklahoma, that was the night game. That was a Fox game. Um, you know, obviously last year we had Alabama coming to Texas and that was a Fox game. So um, while they are still in the big 12, Fox wants to make sure they get, you know, as much out of the deal as, as they can, because once they go to the SEC, it's it's goodbye sayonara it's going to be all big 10 or or pack 12 um essentially but it'll it'll be big 10 uh you know in that early spot so yeah i mean they're not playing a pack 12 game out there no. especially so i mean i would expect truth be told i'm going to expect a lot of usc's games to be in that later window mm-hmm. around either the 330 and or the the seven thirty NBC yeah. spot, or they're going to be on Big Ten Network slash Peacock, whatever. Yeah, please don't do it on Peacock, but somewhere. Uh, I say, by the way, becoming a sports network. Well, I mean, yeah. because everybody puts their shit on there now, because NBC was like, "Yeah, we can't afford NBC Sports Network," and now they're getting all this, <laughs> all these media rights yeah. deals. They got Monster Energy Supercross, which they don't know what to do with. They continue to put it on Peacock. They have NASCAR, they have IMSA. I mean, they now have the Big Ten every Mm -hmm. single Saturday night, along with Notre Dame every weekend. A lot of of new stuff. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So for that, it's just, it it sucks for Fox. It really does. And and it sucks for ESPN because they're kind of losing some money on this as well um, in terms of value that should be there. Because... I mean, they're going to be hosting Big 12 games as well, and they're going to... Do you think that Cincinnati TCU is a game that's going to pull more weight than Oklahoma TCU? No. No? No. Do you think Kansas and Oklahoma State is going to bring more than Texas and Kansas? No. Not that that game brought a lot anyways. But uh, uh, Until Kansas started beating Texas. Well, yes. But that's what I'm saying. Like, there are... It's just... The, it's a lose-lose situation for everybody, but the SEC, the Big Twelve is losing. The the SEC is winning. The again, the TV networks are losing. It's so just if, uh, if, if they knew that they were going to lose something from their Big Twelve deal, why did they entice Oklahoma and Texas to join the SEC in the first place? Well, because there's a Big Twelve media rights deal coming up. A renewal, they, I'm pretty sure, in the next few years. 
and I'm well, sure, not that they didn't want to pay, but I mean the the game's moving that direction of realignment, anyways. And I'm sure that, that cycle. If, I'm sure that if you could, you could still pay less, perhaps, than what you already are paying, and losing Texas and Oklahoma, who are the two brands from that conference. Well, no, I, I get that what John said. just went down. So. Yeah, I, I get, I get that. I'm saying that you know we we pretty much have have good authority to to believe that ESPN helped to cut, make that decision for Texas and Oklahoma to join the SEC. So why, if they're going what, to do something with the what proof do we have to believe that? I mean, we we talked about it last year when the the move first came out. I'm pretty sure it was actually Bob Bowlesby that said that, that they had. Uh, proof that ESPN had been in contact. Could be, could be, could but be. I, I, I would like I'm, to officially see yeah, the proof if I, if before I'm I have to hear it. Like but, I again, I I know that that was what was said, and we did we did talk about it, but yeah. I would like to fully see that before well, I. Just yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, that's only, the thing we may never see anything. We like won't. That, but. We won't. But the the point being, even if ESPN did, like they knew they have a media rights re deal to be redone here in the next few years probably yeah. i think around the same time frame and yeah. so yeah i think that i think it's going to be interesting i'm curious to see how this all turns out for both but it definitely will the big 12 is now in the same realm as a sun belt if i'm being honest in terms of the type of money that that might be being brought in with with some of the schools so it's it's good things to think about and we'll we'll see what happens over the course of the next year because obviously they'll need to make that decision soon, um, in order to get them in for 2024. Uh, Anaya Smith is returning to Texas A&M. I don't know why this news popped up just recently. I don't know if he was like entertaining going early to the draft and then decided to come back once he got some feedback. Um, I, I don't know how that works for underclassmen. Uh, I know it's, is it like the college basketball where you can in, like declare and then return? I, I thought that a few years ago they did. I thought that was a thing too, but I, I can't remember. So then that must be what happened. He must have got some poor mm -hmm. feedback or thought he wasn't going to get where he wanted to go and, and is returning. So he'll be back at Texas A&M next year. Just big news because they kind of need what they can get. And Bobby Petrino coming in at OC is going to be – that's probably a, lot, probably a lot more helpful uh, to this kid's draft stock. It was a nice Smith. Did he, uh, did he, was he able to come back? Was it like a medical red shirt kind of situation? Didn't he get hurt last year? I think so. Yeah. So, yeah. I was going to say maybe he was waiting on that. I, I can't yeah. remember. I didn't, I haven't, I looked at that earlier this week and, and cannot fully remember exactly what I uh, came across there. I want to move on to one more thing before we get into our discussion for the day. And that is uh, the Big Ten um, has announced, well, one of my favorite people in the world, uh, Iowa Athletic Director Gary Barta, um, has said that Kevin Warren's departure will not delay the Big Ten's plans to change college, their, their scheduling for the 2024 season. Um, and by that, it means getting rid of the East and West divisions, um, which are most necessary in order to move forward. Obviously, USC, UCLA, if you had an East-West division, that's one thing, but there's no need for it anymore. They're kind of gone by the wayside. They're outdated, useless. Anything you really want to 
put in there you could use. So um, with that, it looks like 2024 will be the year that the East-West goes away, and it will be the top two teams in the Big Ten. Makes sense. That's where the rest of the conferences seem to be going, with the exception of the SEC, where we're we're still uncertain as to how that's going to work when Texas, Oklahoma yep. join. Because mm-hmm. you know, will they go to eight games with like seven rotating? Uh, will they do nine games with six rotating? And then you know, will they do divisions, pods? Will they take the best two teams? Regardless? They finally get rid of Austin P in November. Yeah. I mean, just I doubt the, that. But put, put the game in in September. I I, I don't understand. I, I I think that you know they they did it because the you know the non conference rivalry week at the end of the regular season and and so for the teams that are playing conference rivalry games they've got to have a non conference game in there you know somewhere usually around that next to last week but it just it's ridiculous you know. Sounds to me like bitch made excuses. Yeah, I didn't know Austin B and Georgia Tech were on the same level. I mean, you could compare them at times, I mean, but they're, Georgia they're Georgia not Tech's really. Performance on the field the past few years uh, not been too far off. Level. Yeah. Anyway, Tyler, Tyler, did you hear about the South Carolina freshman football player that was arrested on carrying weapons on school property? So, what is it with no. Tyler's teams and weapons? <laughs> My teams and weapons. What are you talking yeah. about? Because the Tyler's teams with, with having, Smith's. Stuff. Oh, that was yeah. yeah I forgot Ty- about Ty- that. Tyler's yeah. teams with with being in, in involved with law enforcement. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> Funny and, enough, and I, the, I, I bought this jersey, and then like two weeks later, we get that. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, man. That is what it is. I'm I'm kind of glad you didn't buy um, a TCU jersey now. Yeah, I meant to bring that up actually. So. Yeah, South Carolina has suspended three freshmen um, over the past week in general. Um, those being Monteek Rames a second, Anthony Rose, and Cameron Upshaw. Um, but they didn't provide a reason for the suspension. Uh, mm-hmm. Shane Beamer, in a press release, said our student-athletes know what's expected of them. They know that both the university and the football program will hold them accountable for their actions and decisions. Um it seems as though Rames was the one carrying weapons on school property and obstructing justice, uh, which are the charges that he was he was faced with there. Um, and neither one of them have played any amount of time for the team. Um, Upshaw and Rames were likely to be the two that really take got that kind of time this season if they would have. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what this turns into for next season or not but i'm i'm curious to see what comes of of this situation thank you for bringing that up because i i had totally overlooked that when i was looking through things yeah no you're good man but anyways now we will get into our topics and we're going to start with a look back at the 2023 national signing day rankings and in order to do that we are not going to go over what we did on Wednesday. Well, what you guys did on Wednesday. I, mm-hmm. I wasn't here, obviously, um, for the majority of the show. But on Wednesday, uh, we discussed signings and, and who went where and all that stuff, which is great. However, um, I feel the need that we move on and talk about some winners, losers, and teams that we have our eyes on after mm-hmm. watching National Signing Day this past week. So, 
my starting team. Um, we'll start with the winners. We'll list two, two to three winners a piece. Um, if we have the same ones, we will skip them. Um, in any any form. But my winners uh, for National Signing Day 2023 are South Carolina and Miami, Florida. Miami with a top 10 recruiting class after a season that had promised to start and they really fell off the map this season, uh, ended up missing out on even a bowl game, was was unfortunate, really, looking at what they should have been and what we thought they were going to be. They had fired Josh Gaddis. They, they make their moves this offseason, pull in again a top 10 recruiting class and get some make some really big moves in the transfer portal as well, uh, adding on some offensive linemen, what they really need um, over there. I think it's huge. I think that puts them easily in my winner category. And as for South Carolina, they did lose a little bit to the transfer portal in terms mm-hmm. of what went out. But what they're bringing in, especially with the signing of Nick Harbor uh, on Wednesday, that's huge. South Carolina comes in yeah. with just outside the top 15 and 16th overall in the 24-7 sports recruiting rankings. And I don't think it could have been any better, really, this season. And early next season, we're going to be talking about it for in a minute. Um, they're looking really good for the 2024 class as well. Mm. Yeah, I've got, I mean, obviously it's, you know, when you talk about winners, you're talking about a team like South Carolina. So I won't mention them because you already covered it, but um, a really good one that you didn't mention. I'm really surprised Deion Sanders in Colorado. I mean, you know, locking in Cormani McLean. Um, obviously there were some issues. They were worried about him deciding, you know, again, not to, to come in after he uh, decided not to commit to Miami when early signing day. Um, came up back in December, but he, he decided to go ahead and head out to Boulder. And, and so a really good, you know, class for, for Dion in his first year out there at, uh, in Boulder. And also, I mean, you know, how can you not talk about the two time defending national champions? I mean, up there again with another top two class, um, you know, obviously a lot of them have already enrolled. They enrolled early uh, after the early signing day. Um, so getting, you know, guys on campus, at, you know, not just Alabama, like we talked about just a minute ago, but Georgia's kind of in that not reload or not rebuild, but reload, retool kind of mindset. And, and so I, I think they're going to be really good yet again. Obviously we've talked about, you know, they, they've got some issues that they're going to figure out on the offensive side, but their, their defense still looks really good. And, and I'm, I'm interested to see what Georgia looks like next year. Yeah, and for me, my top two winners, um, I'm going to go with the team sitting at number nine in the overall rankings. Um, I'm going to go with Oregon. They had a pretty quiet but a very solid recruiting year. And uh, it's really good because we saw that growth in that Oregon team over the course of the year under Lanning. And so it's nice to see them continue to be able to recruit at a high level the way that we have seen them over the course of the past about decade, decade and a half. And uh, the other team that I had was TCU. Now, come on, dude. I, I did not I did not take a team so that you could have them and you don't even take them. Oh, well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm adding curious. Arizona I'm State to my list, but. Oh really? Yeah, I mean, getting Jalen Rashad in there—that's that's a huge move. 
I mean, yeah. that's that's big for Kenny Dillingham in, in just his first, you know, couple months on the job. Don't worry, it's big. It's gonna get. We're to coming back better. to that okay. in yeah. a second. Cam, finish your topic, and but, then we're yeah. And then, and then I'm gonna we're gonna have some words. Yeah, for me, um, TCU is another big time winner of recruiting day, just because they we we weren't certain to see what. Um, what Sonny Dykes was going to do with TCU and to see them do what they did this past year and then have a very successful recruiting year. That is huge for that program and sets them up not only like short-term, but long-term as well. And so it was really refreshing to see TCU and I just wanted to avoid a little bit of bias as well. So uh, yeah, no, I, I understand. Yeah. That's part of the reason why I didn't pick them. So let's uh, go. I, well, hang on. I, I was going to say, I think for for TCU, you know, I, I'm I'm glad because in the past we've been you know pretty much around like the the mid to late 30s usually in, in our recruiting rankings. So I I was completely surprised mm-hmm. when I saw us in the top 20. Um, I, I think when you add in that and, and what we were able to bring in the transfer, I think that it's a it's a great. It, it was a great recruiting cycle. How are you going to say that a team ranked 49th in the overall recruiting rankings is a winner? They got very uh, that, fortunate that a deal broke all through. They're they're 36th in the overall recruiting rankings. Are they 36? I read. Yeah. I read. I. Yeah, I was yeah. just saying. I think they, it, they moved up. The composite ranking with just the um. With just the recruiting. So on 24-7 sports, hang on. On 24-7 sports, 2023 recruit football team rankings Mm -hmm. as of February 4th at 529 p.m. has them at 48th in the country. Yeah. I've got them at 47. 47, sorry. Um, In the recruiting rankings, I went off of the overall well, I am I am not going to go off of the overall rankings because I'm not just talking about transfer portal moves. Um, while I I am bringing up the fact that they had a a healthy class in the transfer portal, mm-hmm. they did not. They, have, the they got very. Rank I understand that, but they were the benefactors portal. of a thirteen million dollar deal falling through on a four star recruit, the only four star recruit they have in their class, by the way. They were, they benefited or were the beneficiaries of that. I will give them credit for the luck and being able to reel them in following that. But what really were the options for Jaden Rashada with a week and a half left to go in his recruiting cycle? It was down to TCU and Arizona State. And a lot of people were taking TCU. So good for them to win that battle. But is that really deserving of being a winner? You got. It was a very fortunate move. I, I am saying this because, yes, they had a top 10 transfer portal class, and that's very good. That makes them kind of a team you keep your eyes on, especially with the coaching change. But that's not a team for me that I am going to call a winner out of, well, out of so, this group that we have here. So two things. First of all, Jalen Rashada, he, he had come and visited, but everything I heard from the TCU end of things is that we were never – in as close as a lot of people nationally were thinking. We were. Yeah. So it, it, it was not big... really the decision that like I was expecting him to come here. I thought he was going yeah. either to Arizona state or he was going to stay out West. Second of all, their winner, when you look back and see where they've been the past couple of years, 
last year, 103rd in, you know, with, with an overall ranking of 56 because of their transfer class. 2021, 53rd, overall rank of 47. 2020's class, they were up at 24. So the past two cycles that, you know, after they... Oh, well, you mean when Herm Edwards Herm blew Edwards. it up after NCAA yeah. investigations? I'm, I'm saying, you know, compared to what they have been... They're the actually getting years, back to their norm is what's yeah. happening. We're getting and back to where they're can, supposed to be. Yeah, but you can't consider that to be a, a winning, you know, a winning signing day. It's a team I would build off of. It's a team I would keep my eyes on, but I am not okay. considering it a win. Okay, that's fine. Moving on to losers, Michigan and Florida for me. Michigan, it's very simple: back-to-back playoff appearances. You can't even come close to competing for a top fifteen signing class, let alone a top ten. I, or well, a top ten, let alone top fifteen. I worded that backwards mm-hmm. it's that's very frustrating to watch as one as a fan but two in general this is a team that should be competing tcu has had their best season in what was it almost in terms of nationally uh, since 1938 i mean in yeah. terms of competing for a, cha- a na- actual championship yeah i know they've been close i know they've been kind of snubbed but this is their best season since since probably that time frame yeah. if i'm being honest and they and they jumped up from their average about 16, 17 spots. Mm-hmm. Would, would that be fair to say? That's very fair. Yeah, I mean, you look back at the the last five years or so, they were usually come in about that thirty-five to forty range, and right. so they jump up into the top twenty this year. Michigan has been to the playoff two years in a row and can't even come close to cracking the top ten this season. Now, the transfer portal helps, but I'm going, again, I, a lot of what I'm saying here is going off of strictly recruiting class, and this recruiting class is dog shit. This is not as good as I would like it to be. Cole Cabana is probably my favorite player coming in. If we talk about the transfer portal, I think this team could be on the verge of a winner. At least my eyes are on them. But they're a loser in terms of full-on recruiting. And Florida, <laughs> why do you write a check your ass can't cash? A $13 million <laughs> check for a kid who's not even 18 yet? And then you and then you can't even pay it. Yeah, yeah. Get the fuck out of here. No wonder you lost. I mean, they still had a top fifteen class, and good for them for it. But your class went from top ten to top fifteen because of of losing out on a guy because you let some people again attempt to write a check that they just couldn't couldn't pay up. Yeah, uh, it's, that, it's frustrating. So that that's why they are my my two losers. Yeah, I understand that completely. Uh, for me, USC is one of my losers. I think that. You know, they were trying to, to go get Roderick Pleasant. Uh, Oregon was able to snag him instead. They were able to get a really good tight end in Walker Lions. But I, I think that, you know, in terms of what they were hoping for, this is not necessarily I'm, – I'm not meaning that this is, you know, a terrible class. I mean, you look where they are in the rankings, and it's, you know, nothing to snuff at. They're being at Another top 12. 15 class. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think that they were, you know, kind of one of the – the teams is like, okay, you know, can we, how can we build upon this season first year for Lincoln Riley? And you look at what his former team was able to do. I mean, they're up in the top five and, you know, they had a, a six, six and seven season. So, you know, I, I think that that's one of those things that it's not necessarily like, you know, it's not my second team. I'll say that. But I think in terms of what they were hoping this class was going to become, it's not what they were wanting in the least. And then my second loser and, and this is going to hurt, um, not me, but it's going to hurt for 
for for those that that may be fans of this team. I think Maryland was one of the biggest losers on uh, National Signing Day. You know, they didn't get Nick Harbor. Ended up going to South Carolina. Uh, we're trying to get a couple of linebacker uh, twin brothers, Harris, uh, Andrew, and Michael. Um, and then they were they were able to get Michael, but then uh, I think he went to Andrew went to Central Florida, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I can't. I something, can't remember. Something like that. Um, so you know, it, for them, they were really thinking that this could have been a, a great you know, national signing day. And then, you know, it's, it's kind of like they blew a sour note into their, their trombone to announce the, the signing. So, uh, and then you see where they are ranked uh, as a result like in the thirties, mid thirties. Yeah. 37, my bad. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, I think it could have been a whole lot better for them. Yeah. They, I would like to take away from them for losing Nick Harbor, but they really weren't even in the running. It was really South Carolina or Michigan. Michigan. There was no other option there that a lot of people were giving. I know his final four uh, were Oregon and Maryland also yeah. in there, but Michigan well, they, South they, Carolina they were they the really... only two that had smoke. Oregon made a late push, but it just wasn't enough. I mean, he was he was all in on the relationship with Coach Beamer, and yeah. it. I mean, it was obvious. Well, some something in the Maryland camp made it feel like they were confident that he was going to come there. False so, confidence. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> I'm being honest. Pretty, pretty clear, apparently. Yeah. So. Uh, Have we taken all the good teams, Cam? <laughs> I, I was going to say you guys took a couple of the teams that I was really looking at. So. Uh, one of the other teams that I was looking at, though, was NC State. We've seen them be some of the more successful teams on the field, and honestly, I expect I expected a bit more out of them um, as far as recruiting goes to only be 42nd when we've seen them mm-hmm. the past few years be able to recruit at a much higher clip than what – it felt like this year they were able to recruit at. Then um, for my other one, um, I'm going to go with UCLA. I was expecting more out of Chip Kelly because he's always been the thing that we've always heard about Chip Kelly. He's a hell of a recruiter. And to only recruit 38th, like yes, I know UCLA is the second. I've actually team. heard the exact opposite, but continue. Yeah, but I either way, like I expected more out of this team than what they did uh, for UCLA. The way that they've been building this program, building this program, building this program, I was expecting around twenty to twenty fifth ranked recruiting class quite frankly so that that left me kind of disappointed for ucla yeah for ucla chip kelly is i i don't i don't know where i'm not even gonna try to call you out intentionally but i I don't know where you got that from chip kelly went to the nfl because he didn't want to recruit (laughs) um and then came back to college and has not done and 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 yes and has not done a a very good job of recruiting at all he is a developer he is not a recruiter he was the same way at oregon he's he's the exact same way he was at oregon here 
yeah. which shows why DTR got so good over time. It took a couple of years, but he got really good. Mm-hmm. Why Colin Schley, if he becomes the starter this season for some reason, he would be a guy that I would look for to have improved even more than he already did throughout this time under Sean Lewis at Kent State. Yeah. Dante Moore is already a really good player, and that's probably, I think he's their best player overall in the in the class. And the development on him is going to be phenomenal. Chip Kelly is known for developing players rather than recruiting. I'm not saying you're wrong, though. I would have expected them to be a much higher, especially the, the success and their move into the Big Ten. I'd have expected a little bit more, um, a little bit more love for the Bruins, and it just didn't come through. So I can, I, I respect your position. I just wanted to correct the notion that he is not a recruiter. Yeah. How about Western Kentucky? They apparently, at least according to two four seven, only had a, com- a class of nine commitments down at one thirty six, just mere decimal points, like a one tenth off from Florida A and M. That that seems a bit. I mean, this is this is consistently year in year out, uh, one of the the best teams in in Conference USA. You know, up there and, and competing for Conference USA titles, eight nine wins, um, and to be just a decimal spot away from Florida A and M, who had six commitments, mind you. I yeah. don't know what's what's wrong. We're two years removed from. One of the best offenses, if not the best, in college football history. We're a year removed from another really good offense with a great quarterback in Austin Reed. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know what they could do. Yeah. Um, moving on, one final part of the 2023 class. Teams to keep your eyes on. Now, we are going to have some repeat ones here uh, that we have heard previously. But I have three for this one. I had two for every other one, but I got three here. And I got TCU as one. They were going to go in my winner list, but obviously Cam had them, and I, I didn't. I had my two already lined up. TCU is up here because one, they had a really good recruiting class, top twenty, one of their best, really in a long time, and then they also topped it off with a great transfer portal class. Which this is this eyes on category is where I'm specifically looking at transfer portal additions mm-hmm. to TCU. My eyes are fully on you for 2023. Can you repeat a similar performance from this year? I'm not saying you're going to go to a playoff, but I'm saying maybe a 9-10 win year. I think it's possible, especially with some of what they've they brought in. We'll just have to see. Oregon, my eyes are on you because um, Dan Lanning showed that he's a hell of a recruiter, a top-10 class, some solid moves in the portal. They lost Dante Moore, but they've got some good players at quarterback coming in. I'm not worried for them at all. Yeah, I think they'll be a good one. And then Colorado, transfer portal plus – some really solid moves in recruiting to be able to bring that class up to a top 30 class. I just don't see any way that um, that you can't keep your eyes on Colorado in 2023. Yeah, I'm going to go Big 12, but I'm going to go a different route. A team that really scares me to play. Obviously, they're only going to be in the Big 12 for another year or two, as we talked about earlier. Oklahoma, you know, top four recruiting class in the country. Coming off a six and seven season, and even then, that six and seven, they were. I mean, you're talking about a, a couple of losses that were just by, you know, a close possession or two at, at most. Uh, they didn't really get blown out until Dylan Gabriel went down in that TCU game, and then they just were like, you know, what's fun? Let's play the Wildcat offense for uh, the game against Texas, making a complete mockery of that game. Um, so I, I think that they'll – I think they're going to already be a whole lot better than they were this year coming into next year just from, 
you know, bringing Gabriel back and, and bringing in, you know, some of the, the so fixing up some of the, you know, the holes they had, but their, their recruiting class is phenomenal and they're going to be stacked for, for years to come. I, I don't, I've got my eyes solely fixed on Oklahoma. And then of course, I mean, you know, I, we've already talked about it. South Carolina had a great day. Nick Harbor, obviously uh, one of their biggest recruits ever. Um, and so I, seventh, I think that seventh in their list seventh, of all time yeah. recruits. Yeah. Yeah. And, and probably up there in terms of, you know, rank commitments going back to, I would say probably no, no recruit has been as big of an impact or like big of a like boom on signing day since Jadavion Clowney. If, is that a fair statement to make you think? I'd have to look at the list again. Okay. Um, I think Jordan Birch, Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, he just transferred out, but Jordan Birch was up there on that list. Um, mm-hmm. He's a guy that I made a lot of noise at the time. But I, I would say, in terms of immediate impact and overall impact, I think he could be up there in that list. Yeah. One other team that I've got my eye on, uh, also in the SEC, Mississippi State. You know, obviously, we talked a lot about what was going to happen with Mike Leach's recruiting class and, and bringing in Zach Arnett. Uh, trying to salvage that and, and everything like that, especially when when Leach's passing was and how the, t- the timing worked out there. Um, they added cornerback Will James and defensive lineman Jonathan Davis. I, I think this is going to be – I mean, I don't think they really were in a position that they were going to lose a whole lot, but I've definitely got my eye on uh, Zach Arnett and seeing what he's able to build off of Mike Leach's legacy. And, and, you know, now that this team is going to be his own, uh, I'm really curious as to what Mississippi state's going to look like for the years to come. Absolutely. Yeah, no, for sure. All those are great options. This is where Arizona state comes in. Like mm-hmm. since they were able to nab Jaden Rashada and had a hell of a recruiting and hel- had a hell of a transfer portal signing like that's a team to watch out for Mm -hmm. um the other team that i the other couple of teams that i've got my eyes on are of course colorado Uh, washington is another one that i have my eyes on they've recruited at a very high level and uh i'm curious to see since they were still a pretty young team last year so I'm curious to see what kind of growth that they have uh, in year two under Kalen, Kalen DeBoer. Um, then as my third team, I'm going to go with Texas Tech. Like they had a home run class and mm-hmm. something that I know that the three of us weren't expecting this quickly, this from Tech. It, it was a huge class and – I'm curious to see where tech is able to go as far as not only recruiting, if it's able to transfer onto the field, the way that we did see in year one. So those are kind of the three that I've got my eye on. So I've got, I've got an interesting stat or I'm not going to take too much time here. Um, Out of the now six P five teams in Texas, because Houston is uh, coming up to the P five level. Every single one of them except Texas A&M was able to get a recruiting class better than their five-year average before this year. A&M is the only one that, that dropped down. Even then, that's not saying they had a, a terrible recruiting class, but when you get the number one 
class last year. I mean, it's tough to uh, tough to keep it up at that high of a level, especially coming off of a five and seven season. Absolutely. All right, we're going to move on to 2024. We're going to rapid fire some of these, okay? Winners for 2024 early on. This is way too early, by the way. Mm-hmm. Florida State, Colorado, both teams top 10. Um, Florida State right now in the top five. Phenomenal. Good to see Florida State back up there. Colorado, of course, with Coach Prime. I'm excited to see where that class lands in his first full cycle there. Yeah, Georgia uh, got a couple of uh, five stars already locked in. They got a five-star cornerback on National Signing Day that committed for the class of 2024 a little bit early, but obviously good to see they're the number one team right now. LSU at number three is really good, and and I like South Carolina and Texas Tech as my two to keep an eye on for 2024. Sixth and seventh in the country. Whoa, hang on. We're just doing winners right now. Oh. Tell me your two winners. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> Um, yeah, Georgia and Florida State are my two winners. But since you already took Florida State, I'll take uh, Georgia LSU. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Notre Dame and Michigan. Um, Notre Dame, because they're already looking great. They've got seven four-stars committed already at a school that – does not change their academic standards for anyone like that's a great head start in the recruiting game for a program like Notre Dame and to be ranked number two. I know that it's early is fantastic for that school. Seven, four stars. Yeah. And then the other one that I have is Michigan just because we've seen them kind of struggle the past few years recruiting. And so they're already off to a very solid start with, with six overall commitments, five of which are four star recruits. So I'm curious to see if coach Harbaugh is able to step up and uh, step up the recruiting game and see if that really helps push Michigan over, over the edge from, just qualifying for the playoffs to potentially competing for a natty. Okay. Two losers real quick. Penn State, USC, both teams are sitting outside the top 20 very early, but right now those are kind of my two on the list. Yeah. Like you said, it's really early still, but I mean, when you look at teams that are kind of in the position of being losers to this point, Arkansas, they lost a, a, you know, they've only got one commitment. It is a four star sitting down at, at 35 right now. And, and you know, TCU is in that same position. Both both only have one commitment. I expect that to to both rise as, as we get closer and closer to signing day next year. But right now you're kind of, you know, already a little bit behind the, the eight ball in terms of where you want to be if you're wanting to sustain and, and continue to build at, at the level that you were able to get this year's recruiting class. Um. So I'm going to go with Texas A&M as my first one, just because we've seen them kind of recruit at such a high level um, to only have two, well, three commits, all four stars. Like that's kind of not where you have been. So that's kind of a little bit of a red flag for me. And I'll be curious to see how the rest of the recruiting year plays out. And then, for my other one, 
I'm going to say Kentucky to only be sitting at 33rd with two three-star commitments. I know Kentucky's not necessarily a national power when it comes to football, but you you've seen the most most successful stretch of Kentucky football probably within our lifetimes ever arguably ever exactly like it's i i don't know like you should be able to start get to the point where you're getting better players you should start to be able to build more of an nil um up and i first of all am concerned for tyler second of all Second of all, I, I just expect more out of Kentucky at some point. Like, they got to turn the corner in recruiting, in in, in my mind anyways. Let, let's throw it back to the giggly host, though. Chuckles. Dude, sorry, I got there's impractical jokers on off to the side. Probably a bad idea while I'm doing a show. Yeah, that's a terrible but idea. But they're doing – I don't know if you guys have ever watched it, right? But they got the – Absolutely. The, they got the, the – once they do where they're sitting there, they're conducting like a, a focused survey, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then they got the see through like the one way glass on the back and they yeah. can turn it on and off. Yeah. And it, it came on and Joe's dressed as a turtle eating like leaves, like kale. <laughs> and I looked up and I was like, Oh great. So I started smiling and then I look over and she's about to start laughing. So then I start really laughing. <laughs> well, I was about to say, how is she allowing you to watch this is my question. She loves it. This is, this is like oh, the show that we've watched ever since like our relationship started in 2020. That's so, that's yeah, no, we've yeah, this has been our our show. All right, teams oh. to have our eyes on. I'm sorry, Jump. BJ. I think that's this is where you're going. You jumped the yeah, gun, but these are my two teams. I've had wrote down from the beginning since before we started. Texas Tech and South Carolina, both teams yeah. in the top ten right now. South Carolina is on fire recruiting yeah. right now, both in the this class had just wrapped up in the upcoming 24 class. I have no choice. I have to put them in here in terms of eyes on, because if this team can finish in the top 10 recruiting class, again, the way they're developing, the way they're playing, they may become a playoff team by 2025, 2026. Mm-hmm. And that is one phenomenal because I want to see South Carolina up towards the top in college football again. Yeah. They've never been there. They've never won a national championship. Let me just say that right now. I know they've never won a championship. But they have had years where they've been at the top and they've competed with some of the best of the best every mm-hmm. single year. They beat Georgia in 2019 in a year that sucked ass. So what they could possibly become here is is really cool to see. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it as somebody who's kind of adopted them since moving to the Carolinas. It's, it's cool to see them really pick up their their pace and and be good. And Shane Beamer is is a guy that, I mean, you'd run through a brick wall for, I think. And it's showing in the way that these recruits are wanting to stick around um, when they're, when the, with the success that's coming up, Texas tech, on the other hand, Joey McGuire is unbelievable, man. I mean, he's great recruiter, really great coach. I mean, we just saw the improvement this season. They went out and won a bowl game. We didn't even think they'd get to a bowl game. We didn't even think Joey McGuire would still be there. We thought he, we, we thought one and 11 and they'd be done. All three of us did collectively. And yet they still, they, they exceeded every expectation. Went, won a bowl game. I know it was Ole Miss and Ole Miss, if they don't make a meaningful bowl game, they don't play very well. But man, this was, 
this was impressive. And for them to be, again, I think they're sixth or seventh right now seventh. in the in the early uh, South Carolina, maybe up Six. maybe sixth. Yeah. Uh, if they can hold on and get a top 20 class in this in general, I mean, that's great. That, that is huge for Texas Tech in terms of going forward. Well, I'm glad that you got to, I got to say it first. I didn't, when you said rapid fire, I thought we were kind of going. No, I figured, sorry, I figured it would be obvious when I said rapid fire and then I said winners and then said two and not my whole entire. It's all good. (laughs) Uh, The two teams I'm keeping my eye on, obviously still really early, but Florida in the top 10 right now. That's interesting, especially compared to, you know, what we're talking about with them as you know, one of this class's, you know, losers this season, this cycle, um, you know, if, if they have another bad year on the field, does that drop down right now? They're top 10. They do well, have, as long as they uh, don't write $13 million checks that they can't pay. I think they'll exactly. be all right. They do have a, a five star and, and three, four stars locked in. Mm-hmm. So obviously really early, but if Billy Napier is able to keep those commitments intact and, and, and build off of that, then, you know, Florida, another team that could, you know, kind of get back to where they were just a couple of years ago with Dan Mullen. And then this one really surprised me. Iowa at 11 with five, three stars and a four star commitment, six commitments already. Iowa not known for being one of those, you know, up in the, the top 20 kind of, you know, teams you can go back over the years and see, I mean, even this year um, you might be able to, to tell for sure, but I, I thought Iowa was down like in the top 40. Yeah, they were right at 40, in fact. Um, so if, if they're able to, you know, I mean, obviously we, we talk about how how well they do in well, the, not the Midwest only they, locally. Not only if they stay where they're at. I mean, this is a team that we just, we, we've talked about in general, just not being good Yeah. in terms of the standard offensively. Mm-hmm. And it was announced today by Kirk Ferentz. He, he said, I'm, I'm not making any changes. Like there will not be a staff change at all in the future. So, parents so coming back. If they, if they can hang on, if they can hang on, I mean, good for them. But that's concerning. If, I was just, I was, just say, I was just saying. I mean, it, it, the only thing that maybe they know something with you know Kate and 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 uh, some of the other com- commitments that they brought in that it fits perfectly into the, the what they want to do if they. Have another lackluster season offensively. Either Ferentz might be told, "Hey, we love you. We're grateful for everything, but we want to we want to go in a door. new direction." I mean that that's what that's what TCU. I mean, to I, I never the new, to keep up in the new Big Ten. They, yeah, they have to. yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. something I never thought like TCU would do to Gary Patterson, but they did. And then the very next season, called football playoff appearance. So obviously, I don't think you can make that. Same argument that everybody's going to do that, you know, after firing a, a beloved coach year one. But I mean, it, it may may be something that change might be necessary for Iowa if they have another lackluster season offensively. But someone to keep an eye on definitely at this point is is at Iowa at eleven and how they are able to maintain or what's going to happen with that class. Yeah, all right, Cam, round us out. I, ironically, Iowa was one of the schools I was looking at that I thought about their offensive coaching staff and was like, fuck that. They're not going to do anything with it. Anyways, um, one of the teams that did jump out to me, though, 
what about the team sitting at 15th in the Duke Blue Devils? Mm-hmm. Like, we, I, I don't remember Duke ever. Duke has this. never had a top 15 yeah. class. No. Like, like, this is and, basketball. Kid. And I know that this is way early, but to, to still be sitting at 15th at some point, credit to Mike Elko and the job that he's doing there. Like, well, I understand that a, a good job. A good portion of the top hat hat into the field for the twenty twenty four yeah, twenty twenty four class has has signed or committed already. So Duke, while they're not um they're not gonna go up into the top ten or even probably not even stay in the top fifteen, they could be a top twenty five class and that is impressive for, yeah. for Mike Elko in, in just his second yeah. year. I mean, just think two of the top 10 athletes have are, have already committed one to Ohio State, one to Louisville, but that's still eight of the you know top prospects mm-hmm. in the, the country mm-hmm. that are still out there that haven't yeah. made their decisions yeah. yet. We'll, we'll know more kind of in the summer. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. But that's still a team that I want to keep my eye on throughout the recruiting cycle to see kind of where they end up. Um then another yeah. one that's not known for recruiting at this high clip, especially this early, is Wisconsin, sitting there at 21st. And so I am, I am definitely curious to see if both of those schools are able to kind of stay around where they're at within the within the top 15 to top 25 range and continue to build programs and. I I'm already curious to see with fickle coming in at Wisconsin, the difference that'll be made this year. So I'm sure that that'll affect next year's recruiting class. So just kind of two teams for me. Absolutely. All right. Well, we went longer than I thought. I thought this was going to be shorter. It did not end up being shorter. It was about shorter than the average, shorter than the average, but, um, with that being gave, said, that'll gave everyone their money's worth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, with that being said, um, that'll wrap it up for today. With the just wanted to kind of take a look at the recruiting, I guess, setup right now between the this previous class that just ended. I didn't get a lot of a chance to talk about it, but I did want to bring up and kind of do this in more of a you know who won and lost the the cycle and then kind of get a look and grasp ahead at, at what next year looks like. By the way, Auburn picked up a pretty big commitment earlier this morning, if I'm not mistaken. They picked up uh, Walker White, a uh, four-star quarterback in the 2024 class. Auburn with Hugh Freeze could become a could become a player. Did you say Walter? Walter as long White. as he as long as he uh, keeps his phone clear this time around, he'll be fine. I was going to say, so, hopefully he deleted those numbers. With that being said, um, yeah, here, I'm gonna, I want to discuss this real quick. So Kirk Ferentz doesn't plan to change the Iowa football coaching staff. Uh, that was posted on Wednesday, actually, February 1st, um, by Scott Docterman at The Athletic. So if you're interested, mm-hmm. you go find that in the NCAA realm. Um, and then the official announcement was made earlier this week that Todd Blackledge, Noah Eagle, and Catherine Tappan will be the leads for the Big Ten on NBC uh, primetime slate. I like so it. Just wanted to throw those couple things out. Heck yeah. I have it's not escaped. 
I said I escaped it at one point. It turns out I didn't. I did not escape Todd Blackledge pissing me off when I watched Penn State games, uh, and especially <laughs> since since Whiteout is at Penn State this year. And it's gonna be with Michigan. Michigan I'm going to yeah. have to hear him talk the entire game. So you can watch it on mute, that. you know. I can't. It's not the if same. On, if only That's there was true. a way. If only yeah. there was a way to mute like certain commentators. Maybe maybe Peacock will give us the all twenty two feed that you can just not have the play by play and. And color commentary, and get the Michigan but you can feed on Peacock, the Michigan. Well, you can mute it and listen to the Michigan radio, radio yeah. Or maybe you can, you know, get just the all camera feed and and you know have the natural no, like stadium that. sound. I like the authentic feeling of yelling at Blackledge for being a Homer bitch. So <laughs> I think I'll, I'll stick to that. Sounds good. Screen. All right. Um. Any, anyway, sounds like a hell of a time. Yes, it does. But anyways, I'm actually looking forward to this. It seems like a good lineup. I'm curious to see what's, well, we know what CBS is going to be. It's going to be Nestler and Danielson. Speaking of yelling at someone. SEC country knows all about that. He did Alabama. He might. He might. He, <laughs> dude, you know what would really piss me off is if he latches on to us the way he did Alabama. Because he, he, he latched on Alabama when they started getting good, remember? Yeah. <laughs> and... um. Before that, yeah. I think he was on. I think he was on Florida there when yeah, Tebow was there. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, he kind of moves let, around to the popular. Yeah, let me ask you real quick. But I, I've been confused because I thought that uh, CBS still had SEC games this year. So how are they going to make that work? Is there, you know, are they having you know CBS games? Uh, are they having SEC games still in that normal time slot, or as the Big Ten? You know, oh, they're probably getting they're probably getting bitched. They're, they're probably you know what you don't want to be here. You're going to go on Paramount Plus. <laughs> you're you're going to be uh, the CBS Sports Network game of the week. But what's probably is going to happen is that yeah they're going to like a Big Ten game in the morning and and a SEC game in the afternoon. Well, no, the Big Ten has to be three thirty. The Big Ten is the three thirty slot now. So SEC in the morning and Big Ten in the afternoon. Likely. Likely SEC at noon, which sucks so, because the central time zone is going to be 11. Yeah. But, but, but or does, they're going to get a night game on S- on CBS too. Yeah. I was going to say, does CBS still know. get first pick for the SEC slate? I'm, I, I just, I'm really I confused know. as to how that's all going to work out. I really am curious. I'll tell you what, I'm going to find something on that and we'll talk about it on Wednesday if I can yeah, find if, it. If we can find it, I haven't been able to find anything. So, yeah. We'll, we'll do some research this week and we'll come back and that may be the way we start on Wednesday. So, Sounds good. With that said, we will. Um, I just want to see if there's anything else here. Yeah, no Eagles twenty five. By the way, which is yeah. crazy. Yeah, Iron Eagles. Maybe one. Of the, he might be one of the youngest. He he's younger than I am, so I'll say he that. might be one of the youngest current college football play by play guys, if not the so. youngest now. With that, just, so just, maybe up there with Jack Collinsworth. I know he's. Isn't he it, the guy now ju- for Notre Dame? Yeah, I think so. Now here's a guy. <laughs> now I mean I, I, I haven't heard that, that from Jack. No, but, I don't yeah. think that we will. Um, I, I think that um, there might be some ESPN Plus guys, but I don't know. I know that ESPN Plus typically gets a lot of more local people. Yeah, though. if, if so some here's, here's some of them something. are like student. Uh, broadcast mm-hmm. on there so here's something um 
between NBC and Peacock, NBC will air 33 college football games in fall of 2023. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there will be games on USA. It may just be Peacock and don't do that, please. Don't, don't do what? Put them on USA. Don't oh. Peacock is stupid. I'm not a fan of this whole streaming thing. Do not do not make us have to pay for multiple streaming services to get to get games. That's all I'm going to say about this. But all right, well, I guess with that we can uh, move on to Wednesday. So thanks for tuning in. Like, subscribe, comment, follow us on Spotify if you haven't already, or follow us on sub on YouTube if you haven't already. If you're listening on Spotify, uh, follow us on social media, uh, Loudmouth Sports Network across the main platforms of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can follow us all on TikTok. Names are on the screen. And with that, we will see you on Wednesday. Tomorrow, Loudmouth Weekly. Yeah. I missed the button. My bad. <laughs> At the end broadcast button. <laughs>